Welcome back to Restorative Grief with Mandy Capehart. You're listening to episode 38, titled The Family That Gossips Together. This week, I want to take a few moments to acknowledge that our families are totally complicated and often huge sources of grief. Not one of us has a completely healthy situation, and at any given moment, we have all contributed to the unhealth of our family dynamics. But when we are grieving, it's really natural to be curious. If someone in our family is hurting, it makes sense that we would ask questions and try to figure out what the problem might be so we can solve it, right? As if that's our job. And while this is usually done with the best of intentions, we all have at least one story of a time it spiraled and fell apart very quickly. So let's dig into how to handle life and family and grief when it does. First of all, what's the point of gossip and why are we talking about it on a grief podcast? Great question. I would love to tell you. First of all, it's because it's really easy to frame gossip as simply asking curious questions. As grievers, we want to be curious, engaged people in our own stories. We want to be available and curious, holding space for the stories of others, because these are great characteristics. But when we are bearing witness to said stories, the conversations can quickly become unloving. When we ask questions of a story when the person is not present, we think maybe we're gaining insight on how to show up for them when really... We're creating a conversation about a person in their absence that will inevitably cause more grief and greater distance. This is where we get really comfortable with prescriptions and shoulds and offering advice based on information that we've made assumptions about instead of just waiting for the story from the source. I find this happens more frequently with family and friends that we don't see very often. Sometimes family just falls to the wayside because they're not living close enough to participate in our daily lives. So when we finally get a chance to catch up, it's natural to be inquisitive and ask for updates. Maybe we feel obligated to catch them up on all the details as if that makes up for being far apart and distant. I know that has certainly been the case for me. But this is where we have a decision to make. Depending on who we are and who's asking the questions, we might not feel safe to answer. If you're listening to this show, it's likely that you're in the middle of your own healing adventure. And when we heal, we start to build boundaries and identify family patterns that we're no longer comfortable engaging. The pain of no longer knowing what to say to a family member is so real, it's making my skin crawl even as I think about it. Because suddenly we're the ones acting strangely or who've changed, as if changing and healing isn't the natural order of things. I think identifying our comfort level with each family member we are about to reconnect with is a generous gift to ourselves and to them. I've stepped into so many family functions over the years, even old friends that used to be family, anxious and anticipating chaos rather than giving myself a chance to breathe and making a plan for self-compassion before even arriving. Giving ourselves permission ahead of time to keep certain details private is a healthy and helpful boundary. Maybe your boundary needs to include other people acting as a buffer or maybe choosing to limit your own inhibitions by avoiding any substances (laughs) that might lower them. There are many ways we can set our own internal boundaries that will align with how we want to respond when others cross a boundary that we've set. 
Let's play this out for a moment and pretend that the person we are going to see isn't a safe place for us anymore. This is where we can take time to call realignment back into our whole selves, heart, mind, body, and spirit. Healing might look like finding movement in our thoughts toward hope, our feelings toward warmth, our bodies toward peace, and our spirits toward connection. This is what we do in the restorative grief model, right? We are always looking for opportunities to recall ourselves into alignment with the values that we carry and the people we want to be. So in this instance, my favorite way to set a boundary after taking stock of my whole self is to purposefully choose quote unquote gossip that is positive because it's typically harmful right? Talking about people behind their backs so that others think unfavorably of them. Maybe not even intentional, but that's the meaning that's been assigned. When someone is chasing down a juicy piece of gossip, they're reinforcing a narrative that the person they're talking about is already not to their standards as a human. That's not a fire I'm willing to fuel. And while it might feel like camaraderie to collectively trash someone, The family that gossips together reinforces toxicity that prevents any level of intimacy or healthy community to flourish or heal. In those arenas, it's no wonder we're not sharing our daily lives together. The grace I can show to the gossip hound in my family is subversive because I guarantee you will disappoint them with only positive reports. It's going to take a lot of energy out of me to ensure that any updates I share are loving and honoring of the person in question as well as the person asking the questions. The last thing any of us wants to create is a deeper rift. If we're here talking about grief and finding the connections of our pain in our families of origin, it's likely that we already carry a great burden of finding health for ourselves and on behalf of our families. That just means I need to answer any questions exactly the same way I would if they were standing next to me, with honesty and honor at the front of every word that leaves my mouth. I know it's not easy. It wasn't meant to be, and it never will be. I still catch myself slipping into invalid criticism without thinking, and in those moments, I have to make the choice to backtrack and apologize. Yes, to actually apologize to the person I'm speaking with. It sounds something like, wait, I'm sorry, I just spoke out of turn. What I said was not loving or kind, and I owe that person better, especially since they're not here. Have you ever apologized for breaking your own boundary mid-conversation? Because listen, it's one of the fastest ways to prove and to demonstrate your own healing journey and call others into healing with you. Intentionally engaging humility and growth in the moment of the mess is an invitation to a new conversation. Even if it means this person goes off to gossip about you and the way you've changed, it will still be worthwhile because the family members who can grow with you will hear that type of gossip and recognize who you're becoming. And being seen as your true self emerges is a beautiful thing for family to witness. I had a staff member on my team once upon a time and who was and still is one of the kindest people on this green earth. She was generous and gentle and fierce with her boundaries. I remember once she recounted a story of a time when her friend expressed astonishment over how my staff member was treating others. She said her friend just didn't understand how she was always ready with a kind word, an encouragement, or even willing to walk away from gossip or slander. 
And I remember my staff member said something along the lines of, well, I was raised to be quiet when I had nothing kind to say. And she giggled and we laughed about how that's not very commonplace and not everyone has a family household that's safe or uses that adage as something familiar. But it made me consider something else too. Because I think we've all heard, if you have nothing nice to say, don't say anything at all, even if our home life didn't embody that ideal when we were kids. But how many of us take the time to speak loudly when the kind word is necessary? If the only thing running through your head is critical, pausing to consider the value of your comment is a meaningful and important act. But imagine what could shift in your relationships and your family if you saw the opportunity to encourage and you took it not with spiritual bypassing or toxic positivity, but with a sincere acknowledgement of the life journey this person has walked and who continues to work through it. That's the glue that holds a family together. That's the way we can create healthy, shared boundaries that protect and honor everyone at the dinner table always. Thank you for listening to episode 38 of Restorative Grief. This episode means a lot to me. I think our families are the source of so much confusion around our grief stories, and gossip seems to exponentially expand the very divides we want to cross. If you're in a situation with family where you're not safe to show up, push back, or be honest about your story, please make the best decision for you and stay safe. But if you're in a season of family life where your story of healing is ready to be shared, even in part, then focusing your conversations about one another on the hopeful, the encouraging, the edifying, and the honest is the best way to promote reconciliation in your family. It will be hard. And yes, some will say you're not fun anymore because you won't talk trash with them. But remember, you're healing. You don't want trash anymore. You're chasing treasure. If this is your first time listening to Restorative Grief, welcome. I hope this week's conversation opens a new avenue of hope in your thoughts about family members or even friendships that carry a toxic narrative in your life. Please take a moment to subscribe to the podcast, leave your reviews on Apple, and consider sharing this episode on your social media because all of this helps the people who need grief support the most find our work. But one last thing before you go. Please remember, the only solution for grief is to do the work of grieving. Thank you for listening. I'll see you next week. Thank you.